This is a headgum podcast. Craig. Andrew. It's me, Andrew. Like you you knew already, I guess. Mm. Uh, let me here, let me let me set the scene for you. You're watching your favorite movie or TV show, and with each stunning shot or brilliant edit, you're likely asking yourself, how do they do it? Followed by how do I do it? Yeah. I knew I knew that you, that you were doing that. <laughs> It makes it really frustrating to watch a TV show with you, actually. <laughs> I'm always yelling, how do talking. they do it? How do they do it? Well, that's why I love American Masters Creative Spark, the award-winning podcast from PBS that illuminates the creative journeys of icons across disciplines, from music to comedy to poetry to film. Each episode, host Joe Skinner sits down with luminaries like legendary writer-director John Waters, Oscar-winning songwriter Buffy St. Marie, and Pulitzer-winning The Candy House novelist Jennifer Egan, who's a visit from The Goon Squad we discussed way back in 2013. This week, the jo- Jennifer Egan's actually on it. That's her. It's the it's what? the Jennifer Egan episode Whoa. this week on American Masters Creative Spark. She talks about everything from how her novels sometimes resemble concept albums to her years working as a secretary for a wealthy former spy. Whoa. Intriguing. Ooh. Uh, so whether you want to learn more about an old classic, discover a new favorite, or find inspiration for your own creative journey, this is the podcast for you. Follow American Masters Creative Spark on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts, and tell them we sent you. Overdue, and it's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. <laughs> and my name is Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about books and stuff. Yep. Uh, uh, every week, one of us reads a book that we've never read before. <laughs> every week, we get on here and we just do this intro cold, and sometimes it goes and sometimes it don't. Another person took over my brain and put some extra words in the intro. I just think, I just think it's bold. Yeah, it's bold like this far in to be like, what if I added some more words to the introduction? <laughs> Not like important ones, just like little <laughs> filler words. <laughs> uh, <Woo>. I read... <laughs> <laughs> I read the book Heidi by Johanna Spiri. Okay. And this, it was a good time. A good time was, was had by all. A patron's choice uh, selection. You can go to patreon.com slash overdue pod once a month. We let some of our supporters help pick a book in the schedule. And this was uh, victorious. I have never read Heidi, Andrew. I have never seen a Heidi to my knowledge no I was like dimly aware of like a Shirley Temple sort of deal which I think she was the she played Heidi in the 30s yes she did yep um in my head if I'm asked to conjure what Heidi looks like I don't know what you think of I usually think of little Debbie from the little Debbie snack cake box (laughs) yeah that's probably pretty good yeah who is real I don't know I like when I when Heidi won the poll I looked up little Debbie and little Debbie's a real lady, and she's like still alive, and she's still on the board of the company. Whoa! Not yeah. so little Debbie anymore. Yeah, she's not like a Betty Crocker, huh. Aunt Jemima type. Interesting. <laughs> Uncle Uncle Ben, like food avatar. More like Famous Amos, because he's a real guy. Oh, Famous Amos is real. Yes. Hmm, I remember looking up in high school how much it would cost <laughs> to pay him to come speak at something. It was like thousands of dollars. Like, good for Probably you. a lot. Mm. Yeah. It's before Cameo. <laughs> Can I get a Cameo from Famous Amos? <laughs> 
put what about Andy Cap from the Hot Fries? Is he real? <laughs> no, but I would like to hire him anyway. Um, so this is be, this will be our first uh, venture into the Heidiverse mm-hmm. here Heidi into Land. the Heidiverse. Um, yes, As this Heidi area Land. of Switzerland is called by tourists, I guess. Apparently, um, Speary was born in 1827. Passed away in 1901. Uh, was born in the town of Herzl. Uh, would later move to Zurich, where she passed away. She was born Johanna uh, Louise Hussier, uh, attended school uh, in Zurich as well, um, after doing finishing school in her hometown. She married uh, young to a guy, uh, a lawyer, uh, which then like moved them to Zurich full-time. And she, growing up, spent summers in this place called Schur, C-H-U-R, Mm-hmm. Um, one of the oldest towns, if not the oldest town in Switzerland, on mm-hmm. the Rhine near the German border. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the kind of like border areas of Switzerland because I don't, I always forget that Switzerland has like four national languages and none of them are Swiss. It's, yeah, it's French, Italian, German, and Romanche. It's a sort of it's a it's a makeup and a geographical location that all sort of encourage the neutrality that Switzerland is so yeah. <laughs> famous for, for espousing. Yeah. Um, so she first published her a uh, story in 1880, I think, um, uh-huh. called "A Leaf on Veroni's Grave." Maybe a little bit before that. This book was published in two parts in 1881. Yeah. Um, and that first book, Leaf on Veroni's Grave, was about a woman dealing, like, her married life dealing with domestic violence. Very serious. Not about a child in the mountains at all. <laughs> um, and then both her husband and son passed away in 1884, and she spent the rest of her life writing over 50 stories, doing charity, uh, all that kind of stuff. Neat stuff. But it, it is hard to know. This is from MySwitzerland.com, Andrew. Your Switzerland. Yeah, it is now hard to know exactly how much of the story, being Heidi, is really autobiographical and took place in Johanna Spiri's life because shortly before her death, the author burnt all her diaries and most of her letters. I did find at least one other article about the background of Spiri and Heidi that mentioned for probably, like, who knows what sort of reasons. The one article I read was that, like, she maybe didn't think it was proper for all of her business to ever be known. Uh-huh. Um, it is my understanding that there are some elements of this book, not as reactionary, feels like too strong a word, but kind of a like, could we go back to a simpler time? Mm-hmm. Kind of conservative. I mean, she was, she did not apparently uh, care for. You know, universal women's access to university studies. Uh, I, I mean, well, I mean, what are they going to do with all that learning? <laughs> what are opposed. these? What are these late? How's this? How's this going to help them keep a house? You she know, <laughs> what's what are all these? What are all these ladies going to school for? Yeah, she opposed. Like, I think her niece going to, to study. Um, you know, sometimes this is from um, the Atlas Obscura article about the Johanna Speary Museum. Uh, the writer said she was sometimes celebrated as a feminist icon, which is questionable since she opposed women's access to university studies and had some other conservative views. Um, but the other thing that maybe will play into why this book took off uh, in ways that 
you know, she has a whole bunch of other books. I do want to read some of the the titles of those books because I think they're kind of cool. Is that squirrel one, right? Did you yeah. find that squirrel one? Uh, the one with a squirrel. Uh, yeah, Arthur und Squirrel. No, <laughs> it's I mentioned didn't, in the. I it's didn't mentioned see that in one. the introduction to the <laughs> the edition of Heidi that I read. That was um, the that was there. There were a lot of other names, but that was the one that I liked. Okay, um, the. The appeal of this for, for some people maybe comes from, and this is all from Atlas Obscura. Uh, during the 50s and 60s, Zurich faced radical change, rapid industrialization, turned the city upside down, whole city quarters turned into factory plants, and there was a mass migration of poor farmers seeking jobs as factory workers. As Johannes Spiri described it, the city turned itself into a giant noisy construction site, and this was the context that inspired her and many other representatives of the era to gloss over the social problems of the time with stories of a peaceful rural life. Yeah, and it's like, I think that people in an American context, like most of our listeners are are American, people can... Yeah, for sure. ...identify that idea of like an idyllic, simpler past, that it, that it is just a a rosy invention that was maybe like, maybe it was, it was lived by some people, but definitely not all people. Like it doesn't mention, I don't know, like racism at all. Yep. (laughs) There's a lot, there's a lot of glossing over that happens when we, when we say, can't we just all go back to a simpler time and (laughs) it'll all ever, we'll all be We can all just drink really good goat's milk and it'll solve our, our, the fact that our legs don't work. It's, yeah, it's it's national myth making, you know. As you were just talking about that, it reminds me of like Gone with the Wind, which we talked about ages ago. Of just like this is even for its depiction of a turbulent time, it was a very specific type of person's version of a turbulent time. Yeah. Uh, Other thing about Heidi is uh, there's this. I, there, I this was this ha- this appeared in a lot of outlets. I have a Telegraph piece from 2010 about a. Uh, Controversy that came up when uh, it was discovered that there was a book from like 1830 by this German guy, Adam von Camp, that had a lot of the same elements. Adelaide Girl from the Alps. Yeah, a lot of the same, like a lot of the same plots, a few of the, a few similar scenes. I think the, the defense that I saw the most regularly was, you know, this is like you said, this is in response to other social changes. And a lot of people are thinking and and writing in this vein in response to that. And then also possibly, you know, these, these words, stories passed down as part of like a, an oral tradition, almost they're sort of traditional stories. And maybe they both just adapted the same, I don't know, like general vibe. Instead, it's not a thing necessarily where Johanna Spiri is is sitting and and copying and just changing a few words to make her story uh, to, to like, like plagiarize. But it is there's some question as to like how original this story is. I feel like plagiarism is is a really like specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like as we talk about it, like it's a 20th century invention after kind of the modern notion of what copyright is as well as like yeah there was 50 years between that guy's book and this book and she probably maybe read that book as a kid and now she's like doing her riff on it as opposed to you know i don't know we don't know if she ever like wrote in her diary i'm copying this guy's book yeah maybe that's why she was burning her journals (laughs) the perfect crime well maybe here are some other books that she may not have copied i guess (laughs) 
Um, the story of Rico, Uncle Titus and his visit to the country, Veronica and other friends, uh, Eric and Sally, Vinzi, a story of the Swiss Alps, and this one, uh, Moni the Goat Boy. Yeah? I want to know about Moni the Goat Boy. I mean, he's not in Heidi. Well? <laughs> it's a different goat boy. I mean, we, <laughs> Heidi has a goat boy. His name's oh, Peter. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, there are probably goat boys all around. People like goats. Um, it's a common job. The Another, this is going to trans transition us into some of the adaptation stuff. A book that this reminded me of, Andrew, was Anne of Green Gables, which you also read for the show a while back. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in the kind of like... I think the way I got there was that there is this place in Switzerland where you go and it's Heidi land and everyone's like, this is like a tourist trap. It's nothing. It's not a real place. Yada, yada, yada. This book is part of our national identity, but we're also kind of embarrassed about this particular instance of. (laughs) It kind of reminded me of how people do like pilgrimage pilgrimages for Anne of Green Gables locations. Um, And then that connects to. The incredibly popular Japanese adaptations of Heidi that are probably just as responsible for the modern, like, you know, modern in the last 50 years popularity of Heidi as anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I assume these are Heidi as a kaiju who is <laughs> defeating <laughs> monsters that represent modernization and. Industrialization. So remember when we did Pippi Longstocking? Yes, and we I do learned that. that Hao Miyazaki and a couple other guys, Yoichi Katabe and Asao Takata, uh, were working on Pippi Longstocking, and then they got like rebuffed. They were not yeah. allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, they went and did this instead. <laughs> they did Heidi instead. They did Heidi <laughs> okay. instead. Um, Listen, and- we're going to take some country's beloved national character and make a yeah. movie out of them. Apparently, okay? there, there had been like this like very influential um, early 20th century Japanese like publication translation of it that maybe changed some character names, but it was the story of Heidi as it was written, and it was very popular. And so they drew on that for this anime um in 1974 mm-hmm. and it became super popular uh and then it it launched in germany and became even more popular in europe uh-huh. and so it is just with there also i remember anna group anna Green gables had one of those as well so it's this like idealized version of switzerland as a place where everyone lives in the alps and like just walks around with goats Mm-hmm. And sing songs. Go boys. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's just like an interesting, it bounced across the globe and then bounced back even stronger, like as a property. Um, but that That's is funny not. when that happens. Like you see, you see your own culture's work. Yeah. Reflected through, or refracted or. Yes, yes. Amplified <laughs> through All the lens of, a, lens of another culture and it. it that fresh riff on it makes it even more popular where it you came from. Also said, Andrew, that you found some stuff on the like unofficial sequels. I just I mean I I know that they, they exist. exist. Yeah. Like the like the French translator of Heidi, I think, wrote this further. So the uh Spiri only wrote 
two volumes. It's almost always published as just a single book called Heidi. Now. Her years of andering and learning and how she used what she learned are their titles. <laughs> yeah. Whereas just like Heidi's a little girl. She uh, is, she lives with her grandfather and then she goes to the city for a minute and then she comes back to the mountains and lives there some more. Mm-hmm. Um, the translator wrote some books that I don't like knowing nothing about them. I just get a very vaguely little house on the prairie vibe where like Heidi grows up and like gets married to Peter, the goat boy. And <laughs> she has like grandchildren and gets old and sure. Like, you're just kind of hanging out with Heidi for her entire life. I don't know anything about those or whether they are super well received or if they're considered to be like an official part of the Heidi canon. I think most people when they think about Heidi are thinking of the little Debbie girl. Like I am. And like, that's the age of Heidi when she's doing the stuff that makes her Heidi. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't find much other than they, they, somebody knew there was money in it. So they made more of them. Yeah. And Heidi's like friends with a lot of old people. I don't want to read a book (laughs) where like Heidi learns what death is or whatever. Like it's just not, it's not part of, it's not the chill vibe that Heidi is trying to cultivate. No, thank you. Um, and then anything else? Oh, um, I just had a. Oh, you go, you go, and then I have a quick thing about the translator, and then I think we'll be done. Sure. In 1968, in the U.S., there was a TV movie that aired. Um, it is sometimes response. It sometimes referred to uh, as the Heidi Bowl, a National Football League game that ended. Um, it was being aired, and they turned it off early to air this movie. And apparently, the Raiders were losing, but then came back after Heidi had started. <laughs> broadcasting and everybody didn't get to see what happened so that's pretty fun that is funny tell me about the translator um just the so the uh edition that i read was uh was a kindle edition and it's one of those books that's like a little bit older it's in the public domain and you can just find a lot of pretty bare bones editions of it just available for for nothing um usually they've just been scraped and repackaged from whatever the the public domain source for the text is. Um, so it's got the only like clue to its translated ship is in this introduction. It's like three paragraphs. Um, it calls Johannes Beery an authoress. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's uh, initialed M.E. And this guy is probably Marion Edwards who is a, an Englishman in London who was translating this in 1910. Um, he was a British ed- editor and compiler whose credits include a summary of the literatures of modern Europe from the origins of, to 1400 and a dictionary of non-classical mythology published in uh, 1912, uh, co-translator of Grimm's fairy tales. Huh, okay. um, early, early editions of Heidi from this publisher don't credit a translator, but they do have that, that M E forward and, um, reading a big piece in uh, Taylor and Francis online about just like the different translations and what, what we know about them. So there are three translations that survive to Mm -hmm. the modern day or like that are commonly circulated still. Um, There's one by Edwards and then one by uh, Brooks and one by Hall. And they um, uh, Brooks uh, has just like a, a, I guess it's a it's an edition that a lot of American readers read like growing up. Um, the the reason it persists uh, according to Taylor and Francis is because it has nostalgic value. Uh, Penguin uses the Hall translation because Penguin has the copyright to that one. And then 
for whatever reason, um, a lot of the translations of public domain just use the the Edwards one because it's, quote, the most readily at hand. Certainly okay. is the most widespread of the Heidi translations. Whether it is the best translation for today's reader is a matter for further study. <laughs> it's got a little bit of that clunkiness that comes with somebody being, like, translating pretty literally. I yeah, mean, I don't sure. know anything about the source text, but that's just the vibe I got reading it. Serviceable right. translation. That's what I know. It's like 113 years old. Yeah. What are you going to do? And it happens a lot in public domain editions yeah. of Heidi. That's true. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and then you can tell me about the Alps. Okay. Let's do it. Greg, there's a lot of reasons to go hide up in the Swiss Alps. Yeah, <laughs> there are. If you're trying to build a brand, you don't want to hide your brand up on the, no. the, the in a hut in the Swiss Alps. You want no. you want to you want it to be a place where it's easy to get to, and that's why you need to put it on a website. Yeah. Maybe the servers on the Swiss Alps. I don't know. Do they have <laughs> servers up there? It's anybody's guess. But what they do have. I assume if they have internet is Squarespace. Squarespace is a website that helps you make websites. They're one of our sponsors this week. They give you beautiful templates, drag and drop tools, and 24 seven customer support and all kinds of other things that you need to make a great website for people from Switzerland or anywhere else to visit and learn stuff from. <laughs> Here's some Squarespace features we like here at Overdue. Uh, email campaigns. You can stand out in any inbox with Squarespace email campaigns. Collect email subscribers and convert them into loyal customers. Start with an email template and customize it by applying your brand ingredients like site colors and logo. Built-in analytics measure the impact of every send. They've got a video studio, Craig. You heard about this stuff? Video? What? what? Uh, you could create pro-level videos effortlessly. The Squarespace Video Studio app helps you make and share engaging videos to tell your story, grow your audience, and drive your sales. <laughs> Analytics give you powerful insights into who's visiting your site and how they're interacting with your content. Uh, includes paid views, traffic sources, including Switzerland, time on site, most read content, audience geography like Switzerland, and yep. more. <laughs> Wait, traffic sources are probably about websites that are referring to your website, but it's all it's, it's all up in the mix. <laughs> You own everything that you put on the Squarespace platform. They offer one-click data portability, so you can take your stuff and go if you do need to move up into the Alps and yep. don't want people to know about your stuff yep. anymore. Uh, so if this sounds good to you, go to squarespace.com for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash overdue. Save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Andrew, Overdue is brought to you by BetterHelp. Uh, it is my understanding that Heidi goes into that mountains and anders and learns things. Yes, yeah, she does learn things. Yes. When's the last time you learned something about yourself? Who? Uh, boy, you always ask me that. And I guess what I'm learning right now is that I am not good under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe you don't want to learn things about yourself on your own. Maybe you want to talk to somebody else about it help you through those learnings like a little ragamuffin from the swiss alps or a licensed therapist <laughs> or a licensed therapist uh you can try therapy with better help i think therapy uh can be really useful if you do want to learn some new things about yourself maybe some things you haven't thought uh too hard about anytime recently but might unlock uh you know your full potential help you get on with what you want to get on with i don't know 
If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online and is designed to be convenient and flexible so you can easily connect with a licensed therapist. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash overdue today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash overdue. Everybody is talking about Heidi. Heidi, Heidi, Heidi. Heidi, this girl, Heidi this, Heidi that. She's so important. She lives... She's of the mountains, and she's changing the world, or is she? Tell me about I mean, her, Andrew. She's changing like the worlds of a couple of families, okay. which is, <laughs> some, I, mean, I guess in, in doing that, she, she's making a comment on society and how living up in the Swiss Alps is better than living in a city. Okay. I was wondering, There's, <laughs> I didn't, I get, like, in the research, I know it was like, oh, it's about the, you know, it is mytho- mythologizing in a way. And idealizing li- off living in the mountains. I don't yeah. know that I knew what in the story is about the big city. So, okay. I wanted to... Let's start with what do you know about Heidi? Like, what's you... If I was like, Craig, tell me about Heidi. What do you know? You know anything other than Swiss, Plucky Orphan? I knew Plucky Orphan. Mm-hmm. I knew Swiss. I knew, I feel like somebody in our mentions or in our Discord, patreon.com, had talked about um, her lunches, people liking sure. her food, and I don't, okay. I don't remember. I don't mean, she eats, she eats bread with melted cheese on it, so like it's, it's, on the one hand, it's hard to go wrong, on the other hand, if the book were longer, I'm sure that there would be a chapter where she would have scurvy. <laughs> like, <laughs> is it one of those things, is it described in such a way, or... It just like it sounds good. It does. It is described like the cheese is described very like it's very melty and and substantial. To me, it sounds like that. anytime I've ever seen a cartoon character dunk an apple in a river, wipe uh-huh. it on their sleeve, and then bite it, it looks like the <laughs> best food ever made. Uh, the kettle soon began to boil, and meanwhile, the old man held a large piece of cheese on a long iron fork over the fire, turning it round and round till it was toasted a nice golden brown. Mm. I, so okay, there's an old man. The thing I know the least about in Heidi is it was a nice golden yellow color on each side. Oh sorry, I God, I gotta. Yeah. Sorry, podcast canceled. I gotta go eat some melted cheese. Um, what I know nothing about the adults in this world. I know she's an orphan, but like it's not a survival story. So that's it that would be my be. first. <laughs> <laughs> that might be my first question. Is like what is the world she's in, you know, vis-a-vis adults and other people that are responsible for her or not here's, responsible yeah. for her at all. All right, here's the deal with Heidi. She's an orphan. Her parents died. Why? I forget how. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was like 1880, whatever. People just died for no reason all the time. Okay, sure. <laughs> for every reason and no reason. Uh, so Heidi's mom's sister, Deet, Okay. Who is, who sucks. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, we've got a sucky adult. Has been taking care of her for like, Heidi's about five at the beginning of the book. Okay. Uh, Deet's kind of been watching over her, but Deet wants to go get a job in the city and she's tired of taking care of this kid. So she's bringing Heidi to this little town called Dorfley, which probably there's a pronunciation for this that I don't know. Yeah. It's a little, little mountain village. And then... Even further up the mountain from that village, there's this guy who everyone calls either grandfather or alm uncle, or in some translations, I think he's Uncle Alp. Yeah. (laughs) 
um, the, this is Heidi's dad's dad. Okay. And he has a sort of ogreous reputation in town. Like he just he just keeps to himself and everybody thinks he's a big grump and nobody wants like he used to be part of the community and now he's not anymore. Does he have layers? D- he might have a heart of gold under there. It might mm. just be that everybody who's tried to interact with him up till the book starts sucks because he's never mean to Heidi. Is he played by the old guy from Home Alone? <laughs> like is- mm, I'm not sure. If I would cast him that way, I okay. feel like he's more he's more robust. Yes, he's not as as two dimensionally menacing, and then a well, good no, guy. I just th- yeah. think physically, grandfather is more a more robust man. Oh, oh, sure. I okay. think he's, he's more like if I were if I were doing a stop motion Rankin Bass, yeah, production of this, I would take the Yukon Cornelius puppet, I would put like a white <laughs> beard on it, and I, that would be Alm Uncle. Okay, I love him. I like this yeah. guy. Uh huh. I don't know why everybody hates him. Well, he was just, he's just a grump. He's okay. a big grump. Sure. Uh, so Deke goes up, no warning at all, as far as I could tell. And is like, hey, I, uh, I need to go take a job, and I'm tired of taking care of this kid, and you're her grandfather, so like, can you just take care of this kid for me, please? Bye. Mm. And uh, grandfather, he's just got a little hut with a couple goats. Doesn't really... Uh, have a have a lot but he makes Heidi a nice little bed of hay with like a little coverlet over it mm. and Heidi just like Heidi eternally rolls with the punches and is just eternally uh surrounded by light and wonderment and finds it wherever <laughs> she goes uh so she's happy to sleep on her little hay bed and she meets the goats and she loves the goats and she loves grandfather and she loves Peter the goat boy and going up in the mountains with him and like getting to know all the goats and and she gives him extra food to eat, so he likes her a lot. The goat boy, yeah, the goat okay. boy, Peter, okay. Peter the goat boy. Uh, and they just have a, they have a good time. Heidi settles into her life up in the mountains. Uh, she just she th- th- not in the village, but further down the mountain from grandfather. There's there's the where Peter lives. There's this other character named Grandma or grandmother. So you need to you need to get them straight because grandmother is one character and then grandmama is another character. <laughs> okay, later. I will. I promise I will get them straight. I'll stop messing them up. Neither is Heidi's biological grandparents. They're community as as grandparents. Yeah. yeah, just like all my uncle slash grandfather is a community grandfather, <laughs> even though everybody's scared of him. He's a rent a grandpa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Heidi goes down to like meet them, and she's so plucky and so enthusiastic. Um, and the grandmother is, is, is blind and she's like, Heidi, you, you're my only source of joy. Otherwise I just sit in the corner and the cold and I'd shiver and I'm all huddled up and I hate everything. Oh gosh. She doesn't, she doesn't hate everything. Like grandpa hates everything. She's just like, she's old. She doesn't really have a lot going on in her life. It sounds like Heidi is, (laughs) Heidi's a beautiful ray of sunshine that shines upon her face. It sounds like the community could be taking better care of grandma and grandpa maybe maybe I mean, grandpa doesn't want it grandpa takes care of everything because <laughs> grandpa starts coming down to this house after heidi starts talking about how great everybody is and like fixing up all the little drafty bits and making it so that the roof's not going to fall in on their heads over the winter and that gets grandmother started talking about how oh, this guy's not so bad and anytime anybody in the community will listen she'll talk about how he's actually oh. a, a nice man oh a nice man with a heart of gold 
so this this goes on for like a year or so. Heidi's having a good time. Okay. What are you, how, what are you thinking so far? I'm Heidi? wondering. I okay. I want to know a little bit if there's anything of like, does she have? Does she express like particular? interests or personality traits other than being very positive and loving or is there more specificity to like what her ray of sunshineness she loves everything she loves the goats all the goats are friends with her she loves picking flowers okay but then she comes tries to bring the flowers back to grandfather and she dumps them all out of her apron and they're all shriveled up and dead because she picked them and she's like oh no i shall never pick the flowers again and she's just very she's not in a sad way, but yeah. in a, oh, I want to preserve the beauty of these flowers. I'm, yes. I'm going to leave them just as they are because I'm a perfect, I'm a perfect unblemished little, child. Yes. A perfect little ragamuffin who nobody could say anything bad about. My s- Except one character in the book can say bad stuff, but we don't like her. We so. don't like her. Okay. And we don't like Deet either. Deet still sucks. Yeah. But we only like, see her one more time. Sounds like Deet sucks. My, uh, my f- question, I guess, is structurally... Is this vignette or is it just like, this is what's going on in her life and it's happening in order? Like, is it, is it slice of lifey? It's, it's, things are just happening in order. Like, okay. you, you get little anecdotes and little bit, like, this is what happens when winter comes. It is very, if you've read Little House books, I feel like it's a little bit like that. It sure. is telling one sort of chronologically arranged story, but each scene is giving you another example of like how things happen on the mountain or like, here's a person Heidi met or, you know, here, here's a, a scene between grandfather and somebody else. So, so Heidi's living up here for a little bit. She's doing, she's doing good. Uh, grandfather's very happy with her there. Mm-hmm. And then somebody comes up from the town and is like, Hey, you got to send this girl to school. Cause she like can't read. And she's <laughs> totally uneducated and you can't just like have her up here by herself with you all the time. It's not good for her. Okay. And grandfather, the initial, his, his starting position is over my dead body. Oh no. You will, you will take this girl away from me. <laughs> well, cause she's improved his life so much. Yeah. 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 She's melted his frigid heart. And, and maybe he's, maybe he's a libertarian and, who doesn't believe in government mandated school or something. You know? Yeah. If you wanted to cast grandfather as like a Nick Offerman too. Yes. I, know, I mean, I know he's, uh, he's in, he's busy. He's, he's got a lot going on. Yeah, but, but uh, he might do work. it. Yeah, he's he's a. F- if you told him it would make people happy, he might mm-hmm. do it. He's, he, he might do it. You know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then you could have like I don't know, Megan Mullally could be deep. Ooh, they would, they would have a fun. That's thing a good together. pull. Yeah. Who's well, grandma? I mean, he's married to her, so it's not that hard. Of oh. <laughs> No, I don't know okay. who Grandma is. Um, Grandma's uh, Meryl Streep. So, <laughs> so there's this there's this bit of tension around whether Heidi should go to school or not. Yeah, sure. Um, and Deet comes back, and Deet is like, "Hey, I've got a wonderful money making opportunity for for Heidi, and she needs to be educated. And so I'm just gonna I'm gonna we're gonna go. I'm gonna take her, and we're gonna go. Mm. And so she does that. And Grandfather very upset. Even even meaner and madder than ever before, just to stomping around town. Everybody's terrified of <laughs> of his glowering and his 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 bad temper. Okay, 
And he's just, he's so upset that Heidi's been taken away. And then we, we leave the village and we go to the city. We go to the big city. Oh, we do spend time in the city. Yeah, we go to the big city. Is it just uh, full of farts and everything's broken and everything's dirty? And- yeah, we, we, mostly we just see one house. Um, so the, the deficiencies of the city we see primarily through this girl who's a few years older than Heidi. Her name's Clara. She can't walk. She's in poor health. And... That and that we'll, we'll pick at that thread a little bit more later. Okay. Uh, and then there's also just like a mean, like governess type uh, woman who lives at the uh, Fraulein Rottenmeier. Rottenmeier. Yeah, Rottenmeier. No, she's rotten. I can yeah. tell. So she doesn't like Heidi. She's like this. We wanted somebody to come and be a, a live-in like playmate for Clara and help her. With her schooling and this little girl whose name I don't like, she's she doesn't know anything. She's too young. She's uh, she's a pip. Oh, we don't like that. <laughs> we don't. She doesn't like Heidi Spunk. You know. Oh man, doesn't like her her spice her, the spice of her, her life. What's you know, what's the what am I looking for? Doesn't want her. Doesn't like her zest for life. Yeah, her joie de vivre. Yeah, joie de vivre. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's okay. You, so we get you a few, said this a few, is Deet's only second scene, or yeah, Deet, yeah. Well, Deet does come back a little bit later, mostly just to get yelled at Great. by, by yep. some other people in the house, and then yes. she disappears. Okay, and is only mentioned one more time again at the end by grandfather when he's like, "This girl doesn't have any relatives in the world other than me, except for one woman who just tries to make money off her." Yeah, and that really deep. is a book about how the city will corrupt all of us and why don't you just leave the kid out in the woods with grandpa? I mean, Deet sucked before she went to the city. So maybe it's that the city attracts sucky people and not that it makes sucky people. Because yeah. there's some nice people. There's some nice people who live in the city. Oh, is there? And, okay. they, and they come out to the mountains and they realize how great it is to live in the mountains. Because they're good people. Because <laughs> they're morally good. They are. Oh, are people unchanging in this universe? Are they all morally good or bad? Yeah, kind of. Okay. I mean, I guess even grandfather's not his essence hasn't changed. It's just that he was misunderstood Correct. And grumpy before. Okay. And then Heidi came into his life and everything was great after that. The clouds parted and whatnot. Yeah. Um so okay. Uh Deet drops Heidi off at this house with Rottenmeyer and Clara and a couple of you know, the help. Okay. One of them doesn't like Heidi and one of them does like Heidi. But they're pretty minor characters overall, so we don't we probably won't talk about them very much. Um, the man of the house, uh, Sesamon, Herr Sesamon, mm-hmm. is Claire's father. He comes back like a, he comes back once, and Rottenmeier, having been, having had Heidi dumped in her lap by Deet, and then Deet pieces out without leaving like <laughs> any way to get in touch with her. Yes, Rottenmeier is like, I don't. This girl, I don't think, is working out, and. Sussman is like, can you, okay, can you give me like specific examples about how she's not working out? And it ends up just like Sussman, like everybody else is just utterly charmed by Heidi. She seems great. He sees no reason to, to change anything about their arrangement. It seems like Clara is benefiting from it because Heidi has so many fun stories. Um, and is, and, you know, again, plucky ray of sunshine, even though Heidi's a little, she's getting a little homesick. 
I was going to ask, keeps, like, and she keeps she... stuffing all these like beautiful white rolls in her closet so she can take them back home to grandmother. Because oh, no. when Deet when Deet takes her, Deet is like, hey, "Yeah, Heidi, you can come back to see grandfather and everybody like anytime, no no problem." Well, that's a and lie. That, yeah, that's a big lie. That's <laughs> and so Heidi's stockpiling this this white bread so that she can bring it back to grandmother. I... To hope it stays good, I yeah, guess. Because Heidi is laboring under the delusion that if she makes grandmother happy enough that she will like be able to see again. Heidi is very bothered by the fact that grandmother can't see. Hmm. Okay. And it's just and it's like everything that she does is done with the thought in her in the back of her mind, like, what if this fixes it? Okay. Does and she have the, the way similar that, feelings yeah, about yeah. Clara? Um, not like directly. Clara's Clara's uh, healing process is more like it's it's a different thing because okay. I think that's that's happening mostly in book two. Is like the what did you say the name yes. of book two was? Like how she applied what she learned or whatever. Uh, her years of andering and learning, and part two, how she used what she learned. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And what she what she learned apparently is that living in the mountains is awesome, and everyone should do it. Great. Perfect. <laughs> I do think there I did see in some of the some of the research that like I don't remember if we talked about this already that um this is you know wrapped up in the industrialization of the 19th century and anxieties about cities and things like that but also specifically I think in Switzerland they were experiencing part of the same potato blight that mm. was ravaging Europe got everybody huh and so People need to were, find another. Need to find something else to dig out of the ground and eat, huh? Or there isn't anything else, or you don't have the means, so you go find a factory job, or you go into the city, or you just leave Switzerland and go to you know Minnesota or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. So, like, I think part of the the thing here may be like the you know the consequences of not being able to stay where we want to stay, mm-hmm. and Heidi is here yeah. to tell us. But what if you did? What if you yeah, went what there? If, what if the old ways are best? What if the old ways are best? Okay. We all just ate bread and melted cheese for every single meal forever. And- <laughs> so you're saying she's anxious to, to be able to go home so that she can maybe use her uh, personality to cure grandma. No, that's, well, it's, it's part of, she is just homesick in general. Yeah, she misses, okay. she misses grandfather. She doesn't like the city very much. Her view is bad because all she can look out and see are like other buildings. And she's mm. like, where's the mountains? Where's the trees? Where's the... A sunset that lights the the mountain range on fire every night when it sets. Like, where's wow. the where's all the beautiful it's stuff horrifying. that? Yeah, where's all the beautiful <laughs> stuff that I, Heidi, uh, got attached to when I was living up in the mountains and everything yeah. was perfect. It's okay to be homesick. Yeah. Uh, so after Sussman, he he's home for a little bit. He leaves. Um, this is like. <laughs> Before there were 90s business dads, there were like 19th century dads who came home and patted you on the head once a fortnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, his, Sesamon's mother, grandmama. Oh, this is grandmama. This is grandmama. Comes oh, the grandmama. In, yeah, grandmama comes to visit Heidi and also is taken in with Heidi and thinks <sighs> Heidi is great. Teaches Heidi how to read. So Heidi loves grandmama. Great. Um, Rottenmeyer just like it's skulking in the background, just kind of hating all of this. She's not <laughs> after other adults are back in the picture. Uh, Rottenmeyer is not as uh, big an antagonist to Heidi as she is initially when Heidi first gets to the city. But I think it's 
it is instructive of how the book wants you to look at the city by having this be the first adult character that you meet is just this woman who is resistant to Heidi's charms and just doesn't get doesn't get Heidi. You yeah, know? I was anticipating that she might become kind of what like whatever the name of the lady who runs the orphanage in in Annie, it, like a bigger like villain. But it sounds like no, no, she's not like the the book doesn't really have an antagonist except. Like cities, I guess. Yeah. So, <laughs> maybe Deet. I think Deet's the yeah. Deet's Deet's bad. the big bad. In, well, yeah, and that's like that's a kind of a a classic trope of fiction that focuses on kids, where there's like evil there's ants, evil ants, like in yeah. James and the Giant Peach. But oh. in this book, Heidi doesn't get a big piece of fruit and squish no. anybody. No, 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 no. Maybe in one of the sequels. Maybe. Who knows? This <laughs> was in her notes. And she had a lot of plans for peaches to get dropped on people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Grandmama sort of notices Heidi seems a little despondent. Uh, Grandmama is the one who tells Heidi about God. How does and that this, go? Uh, this, is a big, this is a big thing in this book. Is, there's a lot of God, a lot of God stuff in Yeah, Heidi. okay. Uh, Grandmama tells Heidi to, that prayer will solve all of her problems. And solve that them. if God does not answer your prayer right away... And it seems like bad things are happening to you. It's just because he has other stuff coming that's even better. Whoa. Yeah. Like he's, he's every, all the, basically like all the bad stuff is happening for a reason. It's all part of God's plan. Okay. You just keep praying. And if you stop praying for even a, even a second, God will just let you go. He'll just throw up his hands and he'll be like, well, I don't she could go do her own thing. I don't care. Oh, <laughs> I'm man. not going to help her anymore. <laughs> it sounds like this is a personal relationship with God type theology, though, not a, hey, we got to go respect the bishop and we got to pay the tithes. Yeah, no, it's not about the, the like the church as an institution. And it's also not grandma going to Heidi and being like, you have to believe you have to be washed in the blood of our Lord yeah. and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's you know, just, it's very Protestant. <laughs> you should just be thinking about God all the time and praying to God. Okay. Okay. Um, does does Heidi like... Heidi starts doing that because okay. Heidi's a little kid and she believes everything that every adult tells her. Even yeah. when Rotten, even when Rottenmeyer is telling her to do stuff or stop doing stuff, she does do it or stop doing it, even if it's really difficult. And uh, uh, Heidi is not the kind of scamp who like was, disobeys instructions that she perceives to be unjust. That was the exact word I was going to pull. She does not seem like a scamp. She seems like a pip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's just a little little red ray of light. Okay. I keep saying that, but that's what she is. That seems to be how other people perceive her. Yeah, except for Rottenmeyer. Well. Okay. And Deet. Does this like introduce <laughs> Does the introduction of the Christian cosmology like alter the course of the story? It just comes up constantly. Like okay. Heidi is always telling everybody about God and how they have to pray all the time. Oh, that okay. And it's not um I wouldn't, I don't think it's the first thing I would talk about when I started talking about this story, but once you get to the city part and the back half of it, especially like it does just come up kind of constantly and and partly as like a, everything happens for a reason kind of thing. And then partly also, I don't know, to keep, to keep people in line who are maybe misbehaving like Peter, the goat boy. Oh, Okay. Yeah, just a little bit of the old elf on the shelf, like surveillance state, kind of. 
thing from like God. God is watching you always. I'm, I'm on um, literature.fandom.com slash wiki slash Heidi right now. Oh, good. Great. And before I get... Sounds authoritative. Before there I are a get... Lot of, there are a lot of little folders on the server. <laughs> before I get into the plot section, there is a graph here that just says, readers should be aware that although there are relatively few exclusively Christian references in the novel, religion is an important theme of the novel. Parents who choose to leave out all the religious references while reading it aloud are likely to find that a difficult task if they do not want the plot to suffer as a result of the changes they make. This aspect is usually downplayed in adaptations and simplified retellings of the novel and is sometimes removed from them entirely. Do you, so it is like woven into the back half of the plot in how the characters interact or... I mean, you could you could take it out with a little bit of effort. I yeah. think like you just you would you would just have to have a conversation between Heidi and and Grandma where I don't know instead of ascribing things to God, you just ascribe them to like a general non-religious like sense of good and bad or balance sure. in the universe or something. Sure, yeah. which can often be just as dogmatic as really you know rigid religious beliefs but sure. yeah but like except for the naming of of god multiple times like you, you could you could like we'd said you know there's nothing with the the church there's nothing with like is anyone going Jesus. to hell or is no, it just don't really no don't really talk about hell. okay okay so it's it is generic enough that you could you could take it out and not have it like totally you, you would have to replace it with something but it wouldn't be that difficult i don't think sure the the act that seems more significant is that Grandmama has given Heidi a theology yeah. to wrap her positivity around. And now Heidi has uh, just the uh, things she can hope for when she's wishing that she could go home. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Where does uh, it but go she's from? Still, she's still not eating a lot. She's still not doing great. There's this family friend, the doctor. Uh, we just learned casually that his daughter died like a few months ago, and he's just been really sad since then. You know? Oh man, it seems been, like there's a daughter-shaped hole in his heart. It's been a, it's been a big bummer since his daughter died. Oh neat. Uh, so he comes and he notices that Heidi is not like not doing very well, and he sort of susses out that she's very homesick and that she wants to go okay. back. And the doctor, as a doctor, is like that it would be better for her health to go back to her grandfather hmm. rather than staying here and he prevails upon like sesame and clara and like they all they're all gonna miss her very much except for rottenmeyer who we don't <laughs> care about because yeah heidi starts doing like the sleepwalking thing and there's this whole chapter where everybody thinks it's a ghost <laughs> it's very scooby-doo but it is also a manifestation of her like homesickness yeah it's just it's just oh, no. heidi like sleepwalking outside how silly it is that she's so anxious yeah so they uh, they give her a big care package to go back with, and she goes. She and a couple of them go back, and and they drop her off with grandfather, and and things kind of get back to normal. Except you know the the people from the city are going to come visit someday, someday eventually. Okay. Um, and that does happen. Let's we'll just skip to the there. there there's one bit where like the doctor comes and. The doctor loves Heidi so much and is, has such a great time up on the mountains. And it really seems like it's fixing a bunch of stuff that's wrong in his life. Uh-oh. And he gets back to the to the city and insists even more strongly that, like, Clara and, and Grandmama go up to visit Heidi, like, in the spring when it's a little bit warmer. So Clara comes. Clara stays with them. We get this bit where it's just this weird little cutscene aside thing <laughs> Where Clara is there, can't 
can't walk and grandfather seems really at home caring for her. And then we just get this little vignette about how like grandfather's like general in the war got hurt by shrapnel or something. Whoa. And grandfather just had to take care of him until he died. And so he's really good at taking care of people who have trouble taking care of themselves. (laughs) And then we go back to the story. Okay. Grandpa. Jeez. A little dark there for a second. Yeah, well, the people can, as you said, he is robust. Yeah, he's a robust fella in body and character. Yeah, sure. In backstory, I guess. Seems like a good guy. Uh, but gra- grandfather is like this. This kid can't walk. I'm gonna. He cracks his knuckles. I'm gonna. I'm gonna fix this one. Uh, this is me. I mean, this is yeah, me no, kind I of understand. paraphrasing. <laughs> uh, but he's like, yeah, my Peter the Goat Boy, take my goat way higher in the mountain so it could eat like the best flowers and the best plants and make really good milk. And then Claire's going to drink a bunch of milk and she's going to breathe the mountain air and she's going to, we're going to work on walking with her a little bit at a time. I'm going to, this, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this. Mm. Uh, and then he does that. Like he makes a milk potion. That's there's, fixes there's a, it. there's, a, she's up there for like weeks and weeks just staying with Heidi and with. Grandma. Okay. Peter the goat boy incense that he doesn't have Heidi to himself anymore. Just oh sitting glaring at both of them. Then he at one point gets so mad that uh, they leave Claire's wheelchair unattended and he takes it and he pushes it down the mountain and it like tumbles down the mountain and breaks Peter. And so Clara by, by necessity and because of all the great mountain air and mountain eating and just the simple, the good, clean, simple living that she's been doing up there. Instead of, I don't, <laughs> I guess in the city, all they're trying to feed her is like cod liver oil. And for whatever reason, that's, that doesn't help. It's not working. A child <laughs> grow. Oh God. <laughs> so Claire does start walking and it's a miracle. And grandmama is so happy and then sends for Herr Sesamon who comes up the mountain and he's so happy and everybody thanks, thanks grandfather and Peter is terrified that like a constable from the city is going to come and arrest him for this wheelchair thing that he did. And so he finally comes clean and grandmama is like, it's all, all is forgiven. I'm going to give you a penny a week for the rest of your life. There's a very, like to the, the last bit of this book, there's very, there's this thread that is not really examined in this, in this exact way, but it's rich people from the city coming in and giving poor mountain folk like a teeny tiny fraction of yes. their fortune that is yes. huge to the poor mountain folk. Yes. And, um, you know, instead of trying to fix all of society's problems in like a systemic way, they just give money to a few people and that feel, is feel great about it. Yes. Thank you. I'm glad that you provided uh, like a, a rich example of that because that is a thing I saw in some of the like this is a book that was uh, about idyllic returns to the alpine landscape and alpine com- yeah alpine oh alpine alpine is a <laughs> sorry alpine is a french auto sport team no it's a, a an alpine hammer yeah i think you're thinking of that <laughs> jeez um but, uh, and it's like about like how, you know, modernization, industrialization is bad, but isn't 
that whole thing is not specific as to why, and this is a way more specific version of why that could be bad. Yeah. Is that it is the modernization is not happening in a way that benefits everyone equally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm going to give this goat boy a penny. Yeah, and it's it's very clear, even though like nobody in the book thinks this way, but it's very clear that this penny is like nothing to this woman, and yeah. she gives it to this Peter the goat boy, and... It's everything. It's everything to him, yeah, because exactly. he, he like doesn't even get to eat meat very often. The only meat that he's ever really gotten to eat is the big sausage that Heidi brings back with her from the city. <laughs> Ooh, city sausage. Yeah, give me that city sausage. Better than country sausage. Um, and yeah, so the doctor is going to come and live in the little town and he, and he's going to be as a surrogate father to Heidi and help take care of him after the grandfather passes away, which is something the grandfather like says, says to him, at, him or Sesame. I don't remember which one of them it is because the Sesame and the doctor sort of blur a little bit blend together yeah. in their surrogate fatherness of Heidi. Just Sesame seems less uh concretely drawn in your telling to me so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's around less. There there less that, of men, am I right? Jesus. Um there's there's um more there's that whole, you know, sequence where the doctor comes up by himself. Yeah, and, yeah. And gets to visit Heidi and and yeah. So we we do we get a better sense of him as a as a person and Heidi is certainly more feels like very specifically warmly toward him because he is the reason that she got to come home while him and God. Uh. <laughs> Sesame just sounds like a mechanism to get grandmama in the story. I mean, it, and he's, he's also Clara's dad and is very overjoyed. Sure. Very Good overjoyed point. Okay. when Clara gets to walk again. So it's just this whole, this whole clan, this whole family okay. loves Heidi. Rottenmeyer did not come with them to the Well, of course, just in case you were wondering, she's got cod liver oil to drink in the city. Yeah, and so Sussman and the doctor are like, yeah, Heidi's going to be provided for forever, even after you die, don't worry about it. And the grandfather's very uh, flattered and chuffed, and that's like that's his repayment for all the good he's done for Clara. And that's kind of where the book ends, is just everybody's kind of together and happy, and people are going to come up to the mountain and visit all the time, and the doctor's going to live there, and everything's just going to be great. The end, Heidi. <laughs> In conclusion, Heidi. In conclusion, why do you think people like Heidi? And by people, I mean people who've read this book, not people inside people who, the people book. People who read, read the book. I mean, she is, she is very positive. She's very, there's a, a, a small element of like out of the mouths of babes to her. Like oh, okay. Yeah. Her, uh, I don't want to say naive, but her like sort of unvarnished, un cynical optimism about everything. Sure. Sure. I think that's a big part of it. I think like some of the descriptions of the of the mountains and yeah, the yeah. the outside are very uh they they paint a pretty picture of a place you might want to go to. Yeah, of a place you yeah. might want to go to or a yeah. place that you might see like on the on the box of a hot chocolate mix that you might think looks nice. Um from from a miss mm-hmm. from Switzerland. Mhm. Yeah. 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 She's a Swiss miss. Yeah. With the marshmallows. Yeah. Heidi is the original Swiss miss. <laughs> <laughs> it does remind, all of this reminds me of um, this librarian and Carol Moore, who was like in the early 1900s was one of the advocates for having like a children's reading room 
in I think it was the one of the big New York public libraries. It was like a, a big innovation of hers. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also like blacklisted Goodnight Moon. Like did not like modern children's books that were about like kids in cities or didn't have like an explicit moral message or weren't kind of these idyllic escapist books and this feels like something that ann carol moore would have enjoyed of like yeah it's it's it is very idyllic and escapist and and i think it's especially if you're a uh sort of introverted maybe more bookish kid maybe yeah and you find friends in books mm-hmm. I oh think, you'd want to be I friends think heidi, with heidi yeah i think heidi feels very friendly sure sure and it, it is does it does sound like it is a book about let a kid be the kid they are don't put them into the capitalist grinder but also don't <laughs> like but also if some... they're if they're positive enough they can beat the capitalist grinder and <laughs> make everybody love them <laughs> that's true the original bootstraps swiss miss uh she is yeah okay i get it I it's think. a it's a nice little book it does talk about god a lot which is I'm just, it's, I'm not trying to present that as a good or a bad thing. It's just like, is an unavoidable thing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> at, at least in the translation I read, which I, 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 I'm just, I'm just not, I don't find it very interesting as a character motivation. Can sure. I say that? Like, is that gonna? No, I think that's All fair. Right. Yeah. And it, to me, it is, it is uh, less dramatically interesting that compared to something like you know tom sawyer having to go to church and like having a bunch of specific complaints about it or something like that Mm -hmm. um i feel like some of the american characters that are good analogs it's all wrapped up in some other stuff it is not just about your personal relationship to a god who will get back to you if you pray enough (laughs) which is just a complicated relationship yeah um, well, thanks for telling me about Heidi, Andrew. I do think I could go for some Swiss chocolate right now. Yeah. Maybe a Ricola. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the two major exports. Yep. Maybe a chocolate Chocolate and Ricola. chocolate and, and like throat medicine. <laughs> what? Watches? Bank accounts? The kinds of pants that they wear on the boxes of the Ricolas? Yeah, what are they called? I don't know if there are people, the Lederhosen, I don't know if there are people on the, or like an Alpenhorn, is that An that Alpine thing? horn? Yeah, an Alpine horn. Mm. Yeah. We're probably saying a bunch of dumb stuff. Why don't we get out of here before Let's we- get out of here. <laughs> before we say something like that's more than just casually offensive to sure. people. <laughs> if you were one of the folks who had read Heidi and had strong thoughts about like the food in the book on our social media channels or something, send us an email. Or if you just read it and didn't say anything before, you can send us an email. OverduePod at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up on social media at OverduePod. Thanks to MBK, Ingrid, Jeremy, Emily, Hazel, Steeply, Eddie, Joanna, and many more. Not Johanna Speary, just Joanna for reaching out in the past week, uh, recently, our uh, Ghost Train episode hit the main feed. Andrew, if folks want to find information on the episode, where should they go? Over to podcast.com is our internet website. Uh, we have the a list of the books that we have read, the ones we are going to read, that month's schedule. It's all up on the website, baby. Yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash pod. We might have mentioned it. It's a way to... Uh, financially support the show to keep our kids in childcare. Uh, and then you also get access to our little discord community and you can 
listen to bonus episodes early. Those always go up on the main feed eventually, but you do get early access to them as Patreon subscribers. Um, I think that's what, what are you reading next week? I am reading a surprisingly relevant work to this one, perhaps. Oh, Pioneers by Willa Cather. A story, a, a, a powerfully mythic tale of the American frontier told through the life of one extraordinary woman, this book listing says. Mm, sounds extraordinary. It does, and it sounds mythic, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Oh. All right. <laughs> are we good? I guess. Are we? Are we good? All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, go live in the mountains. It's better for you in every way, I yeah. guess. And drink, until drink we the t- good goat's milk. Drink that good goat's milk. And until we see you next time, please try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.